those of you guys that don't know me, my name is Kim, and I am on um, a, the pastoral staff here, and I'm on the teaching team, and so every once in a while, you'll get to see me up here teaching, and so today, I get that honor, and um, so we're gonna, we've been talking about the foundations of a Living Waters, because you know how many new people are here? <laughs> A lot of you might not even know me. Uh, so there are so many new faces. And I also think just us that have, are a part of this house, we just need to be reminded of who we are as a, a church family. So today, um, we are going to be going through what um, our church family, we, we feel that we're called to be a religious detox center. Yeah. And so if you grew up in church, um, there's a good chance that you've experienced religion. <laughs> If you've had any background in church, there's a good chance that you've experienced religion. And some of you, you may be like, yeah, I was deep in religion. Like, I went to a very religious church. And some of you may be like me that were like, I had no idea. But now, as I'm hearing different teachings and different things are happening around here, I'm realizing maybe I was, there was some religion around. You know, I grew up in um, Eastern Oregon in La Grande. Had a really amazing uh, Foursquare Church. We are a Foursquare Church, and so it was. Um, it was just you know, it was a Foursquare Church. It was. I grew up Foursquare, so I always knew that women could be up here preaching and doing all the things that Ryan talked about last week. That was never a question in my mind. But as good as this church was, I love this church. There's amazing leadership on this church at this church even right now. And as good as it was, there was religion that was prevalent there. And um, I, you know, I, I, I didn't know that until, like I said, I came here. And I first wanted to say, when we talk about being a religious detox center, we're not saying we're better than that church. Okay, we're not saying that we've got it all together. We're not saying we don't screw up every once in a while, right? We make mistakes too. But what we are saying is, that we are a church that is led by Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit has taught us and walked us through is how we lead this church. And um, it's, you know, where I came from, it's not a bad place. It's an incredible church. But what I experienced growing up, it did, it did do some damage. Some religion did some damage to me. And... Um, I just, I really believe that the Lord is constantly like setting people free and he's constantly drawing them away from religion and to who he is. And so as we are up here and we're teaching about this, I just, I really believe that the Lord is working on hearts today and he's setting them free. And so we're not better than anybody else, but what we do is we follow Holy Spirit. We follow his lead, and when he speaks, we go where he's going, and we are on our own journey, and so I don't know if that all makes sense, but I just wanted to put that out there. Like, that's, that's just who we are. So what does it look like to be a religious detox center? So first of all, let's look at the word detox. To detox means to abstain from or rid the body of toxics or unhealthy substances. So it's a process or a period of time in which we abstain from or rid the body of toxic and unhealthy substances. So here at Living Waters, we bust religion. We build an environment that invites and welcomes his presence, free from religious overtones and undertones and all the tones of religion that it wants to bring, okay? 
And we are allowing people to experience the Father's love free from religion and striving. Allowing them to move from religious slavery to free sons and daughters of God. Not earning love, favor, freedom, but receiving his love and stewarding, stewarding their freedom and his favor for his glory. And hear me say this, we are not um, saying that Christianity is bad or the church is the worst, which is a really hot topic right now in society. You know, the whole deconstructing of faith and everything. That's not what we're saying, but what we are doing is we're embracing a straightforward and genuine approach to our faith in Jesus. We intentionally give people a place to land and unpack the baggage of Christian culture experiences, religious thinking, spiritual expectations they are laboring under, and sometimes even church and leadership abuse or trauma that drowns out the simple joy of a relationship with Jesus. So we're, we're a little slow, we move slow here, and what does that mean? We're a slow church. It means that we're not in a rush for you to have it all together. We're not in a rush for you to be all healed up and to be, you know, just doing everything right. Like we are partnering with you in your process just as much as we're in a process. And I know this to be true in my own life. You know, I came here um, 15, almost 16 years ago, and um, it took me about two years to even start to trust anybody in this place. Okay, and I, some of these people were my friends for years before I moved here. And I still was like, I just didn't trust anybody. And that was okay. Like that process time, Ryan wasn't rushing me into getting counseling and getting help right away. He was just letting me be in my process of being around what it was to be around a healthy church and to be around people that were going after the Father and having no religion tied to that. See, I was being triggered all the time around here and they were okay with that process. Some of you are laughing because you were there with me <laughs> and you saw the triggers. But see, they waited and they walked with me and they let Holy Spirit lead me in to freedom and healing. That's how we are around here. Your process matters. And it, it's, there's no time limit on it. We're not designed around a fast-track Christianity or dis, uh, discipleship. And generally speaking, we don't even have a lot of things going on around here all the time. Sometimes when you come to this place and you've led and you've served, you'd be surprised that no one is clamoring for you to come and serve and do stuff around here. See, that's one of the best things that happened to me when I moved here. I remember um, Garris was the senior leader at the time, and I remember him just uh, coming and putting his arm around me. I was here to help, to help with a school of leadership. Um, that's what I thought I was coming here for. The Lord had so much else for me to do. But I came here to help be on t this team with Eric and Ashley and Ryan and Kate in leading Anthem. And Garris put his arm around me one Sunday and he said, hey, I'm gonna ask you not to serve for a year. And I was like, what? And he was like, I don't want you doing any volunteering for a whole year. And seriously, I was like a little freaked out. I was like, what do you mean? Like, I can't do anything? And he's like, no, I just want you to come to church and I want you to go home. And I want you to come to church, and I want you to go home. And I'm like, what? But 
I, I've done all these things. I don't know if you guys are like me, but I thought it was my Christian duty. <laughs> like I am required to serve at church. And so I'm here and I've got all the gifts and I can do it all. So just put me to work, let's go. And I, I, I was seriously like, when he said that to me, I thought, well, what's wrong? What does he see that I, I, I am I not good enough? Am I not qualified enough? Are they trying to check me out to make sure I'm legit? Like, I, I had all these questions because lies came out of the performance lifestyle that I was living. And I do believe that taking time off was helpful to my journey of healing and walking out some of the hurt and the pain that the church had caused in my life growing up and especially while I was on staff at church. See, our heart for you here is just to be with us. You may come from a place where you have been on teams and you've served at church and you're like, hey, I have people all the time that just come in and they've come from somewhere else and they're like, hey, I'm here, I'm ready to serve. And I'm like, yeah, I, and I take Garris's advice and I'm like, don't do it. Take some time off. You know, we want you to serve, yeah, alongside of us. We want you to be a part of this house. We want you to volunteer if you have a passion for something. But we don't want you to do it because you think you have to, because you think that we need you to, or that you think we're gonna look down on you if you're not. We want you to do it because this is what you love to do, and you're ready to be a part of this. Jesus said in Mark 8:15, be careful, Jesus warned them, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. See, he and his disciples, they had just gotten into the boat when he said this to them. And um, they had been with about 4,000 people on a mountainside for three days, and these people had not eaten anything. And so this was when one of the miracles happened where they had seven loaves of bread and a few fish, and all of a sudden, it's like spread out throughout all these 4,000 people, and then seven baskets of food comes back, and all these people are totally satisfied, and it's like, okay, that was a miracle, and I don't know what people were thinking, like that was a miracle right there. And then the Pharisees come up to Jesus right after that, and they say, hey, we need to see a sign, because they were testing him. They're wanting to know if he's really the Messiah, so they're putting a test on him, and he's like, yeah, no, truly, what does he say? I wrote it down here. He says, truly, I tell you, no sign will be given, and then he gets into the boat with his disciples, and that's when he says, hey, guys, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. So what does he mean when he says that? Is it literal? I think the, the disciples, they actually thought it was literal. And so then they're questioning, well, we didn't really bring much bread onto the boat. And, they're, and he's looking at them like, what are you talking about? See, yeast is added to dough to make it ferment and rise. And the point he is making is something seemingly small making its way through the entirety of something. And as I was studying this passage, I read the yeast of Jesus, that Jesus is referring to here is hypocrisy. The yeast of religious and political hypocrisy is what Jesus was warning the disciples to avoid. The root of both these lies and attitudes is the desire to dominate people and manipulate outcomes, to control others and situations by having judgment over or power over them. So the Pharisees, they represent religious influence, which controls through guilt, shame, and judgment. Anybody experience that in the church? 
The Herodians represent political influence, which controls through a position of power and influence. So today we're talking about the yeast of Pharisees, and so the religious lie is anything that says, I must do something to please God and become like him. And you might say, well, isn't that right? Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? No, see, the, only by mercy, forgiveness, and washing of sins, and the grace, the supernatural, undeserved favor and empowerment of Jesus Christ are we changed. We live differently because we've been regenerated, made new through the relationship with Jesus, not in order to gain relationship in our own effort. See, as we press in and get to know Jesus, the overflow of our life is what pleases God. And as we spend time with Jesus, it's not out of our own effort that we become like him, it's just that time that we spend with him, we start to become like him. We speak like him, we move like him, because we are one with him. Religion wants you to pay again for something Christ already purchased. See, all of Galatians is about the yeast that is working its way back into the church. Galatians 3.3 says, how foolish can you be? After starting your Christian lives in the spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect in your own human effort? See, the, the yeast of religion like Jesus was talking about, just a little can go a long ways. And the yeast of religion, it misrepresents God. See, what can be said about God? He is a good father. And he, Bill Johnson says this all the time, he's in a good mood. Yeah, but any way of thinking or believing about God that paints a picture of a vindictive, angry, disappointed God who is, Jesus is subservient to, a puppet master who killed his own son as an act of wrath with fragmented person, personality, who on one hand wants to love us, and on the other hand, he wants to punish us. See, that invites fear into our relationship with God and others. So we walk around worried that we're disappointing God all the time. Anybody have that experience? That was my childhood. I remember, like, I seriously thought that God was going to get me if I did anything wrong, so I was a rule follower. I just did everything that was right all the time because I don't want God to get disappointed at me. I don't want something bad to happen. And if something bad did happen, I must have done something wrong. God is disciplining me. He's bringing that on me. That's religion, you guys. It's messed up. See, the God that we serve is not like this at all. But what happens is we grow up hearing this and then it keeps us under control and in line, following all the rules, or it keeps us hiding. Don't show anybody what I've just done. And either way, I don't think that's a good place to live. And see, here's the thing. No way would my earthly father ever treat me like that. No way would he ever discipline me like, and hurt, you know, be mad at me and do something harmful to me if I've screwed up. You know what my dad's gonna do? He's gonna come alongside me, put his arm around me and go, hey KJ, what's going on? What's really happening? Why did you make that decision? I'm here with you, what do you need? And here's the thing, we serve a God that's even greater than our own earthly father. 
He loves us so much. He's so good, and his heart for us is always good. The yeast of religion, it allows me to emphasize outward behavior over my internal condition. Rules and laws above relationship and intimacy. I can be a mess, but still be okay. It's, uh, Jesus says this in Matthew 23, 27. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside you are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. So you look great on the outside, but what's going on in the inside is you're dead. See, religion wants you to put on a mask. Don't let anybody see what's really going on inside. Don't let anybody see what's happening in your family. This is a secret, this is a family secret. We keep it here. So when we go to public, we show that we're doing really well. Here's the thing, eventually that, that in you that's going on is gonna explode. It's gonna start to leak out, and there's no way of keeping that locked in. I tried. I thought I was doing really well. <laughs> I wasn't. It was really, really bad. <laughs> See, holding pain and hurt, holding secrets of things that you're doing or things that, you've, that have happened to you, that's killing you on the inside. And religion wants you to hold it in and not talk about it, and Jesus is saying the opposite. He's saying, don't live like that. See, growing up, I always thought, that counseling was for the crazy people. Like, you don't go to counseling unless you really need counseling. And so when I started going to counseling, my, my family was a little concerned. <laughs> What's going on? What are you doing? What are you talking about? There was a lot of questions. I will tell you that my steps actually helped my family, my parents, step into healing and walking out a path of freedom that they hadn't been. But see, here at Living Waters, we don't want you to put on a mask and cover up what's really going on. You're surrounded by so many people that have let the mess come out, and in my case, like I said, it was not pretty. But opening up and dealing with my stuff was the best decision that I could have ever made. I was finally free. It wasn't so exhausting holding it all in, I remember before I moved here, I, um, I went to my senior pastors, and they were just a little bit older than me, and I was feeling a little crazy. <laughs> I, I was feeling like I was getting triggered constantly, and I was trying to hold it in, but I was like, something is going on. And so I remember going into their office and saying, hey, I, I have an issue. Like, I don't know what to do with all this. And I couldn't even put my, the words around what was going on. I didn't know the word triggered at the time. But I just knew that I was ready to explode. I felt it. And you know what they said to me? The wife, she, she just came to me, and I've told you guys this before, but she, came, she just looked at me and she goes, you know what you need to do? You need to just put it in a bubble and you need to blow it away. <laughs> just like that. <laughs> and what she was really saying was you need to give it to God and he's gonna take it from you. But giving it to God and not actually dealing what was going on inside of me was not helping. It was still there. 
I'm handing it to God over and over. My whole life, I was handing it to God. I don't know what to do in this. And he's like, yeah, I've got it, but we need to actually walk in there and deal with some stuff in that. And to be clear, her and I have talked since then, and she has apologized. (laughs) Because to be clear, she didn't know any different. She had no idea what to do with me. She was just like, I don't know, just give it to God. Put it in a bubble. He'll take it. (laughs) Religion wants to tell you to keep quiet, not share what's going on, put a face on when you're in public. And we're saying, why are you doing that? Please don't do that. Why not talk to somebody? Why not let Holy Spirit meet you in those places of pain and heal you instead of hiding? But I will tell you that the fear of religion is going to tell you if you do that, they're going to ask you to leave. If you really tell anybody what's going on, they're going to walk away from you. You're going to be alone in this. People are going to be afraid of that. So don't tell anybody what's going on. I'll tell you a story, and it was, you know, 12, 13, 14 years ago, I don't know, but um, I was triggered to the point where I yelled at Kate Roden. I don't know how you yell at Kate Roden, but I did. <laughs> Kate Roden is the nicest person, if you guys have not met, you know, her, like, she's the nicest person ever, and I yelled at her because, I don't know, her and Ryan took something away from me, and I was really mad, and so she went and got Ryan, and I'm back in the, this back room, and I'm sitting there and I'm just mad and I'm crying and I'm yelling and all this stuff. And Ryan's like, what's really going on? And I was like, I I don't, I'm not, and he's like, let's just talk about it. And I'm like, no, I can't, I can't. Because I really was legitimately afraid that if I let any of my crazy come out, that I was not gonna have a job, I was not gonna have any friends, I was not gonna have a church, and I'd have to move home to La Grande, Oregon, where I didn't wanna go back. And so I was just like, I can't, I can't do it. And he, he got on his knees in front of me. And he just looked at me and he goes, whatever you say, it's okay. I'm not going to throw you away. And I was like, yes, you will. I'm not going to throw you away. Stop saying that. <laughs> I'm not going to throw you away. And I had to hurt, hear it about 13 times. <laughs> And I was bawling, and he's crying, and Kate's a mess. (laughs) And I will tell you guys, I have pushed Ryan's every button. In the last 15 years, I am the annoyance of Ryan. (laughs) For sure, I have brought him to the edge sometimes. And I will tell you, he has never thrown me away. He might not talk to me for a few days. And that has happened a few times. But... He has never thrown me away, ever. And I am here because of that. I'm here because he wasn't afraid of my crazy. He was always supporting me, always walking with me. He was sometimes the trigger. (laughs) See, here at Living Waters, the one thing that I know to be true about this family is your mess is not too much for us. Period. It's not. You will never be thrown away. What you're walking through, we want to walk through it with you, whatever it is that you're facing. And I will tell you, this is not just the staff. This is this house. This is the family that we are. 
So please, stop pressing down all that stuff because it's going to kill you. The yeast of religion, it allows me to judge others easily. If people don't measure up to my standard or behavior, I can categorize them, label them, and dismiss them. Or I can withhold love, affection, and friendship until they change, because that's going to work. Right? No. How many of us can relate to that? You know, I, um, all I have are my stories. I, I'm, I'm not going to say anything about anybody else. But in my life, I was in my 20s, and um, I, was, I was a girl that needed tons of love. I was looking for it anywhere I could possibly get it because of my childhood and things that had happened and the lack of, of love in my life. And so I was this gaping hole of I need love. So... In order to get that, I found somebody that, I, we, I started dating this guy, he didn't love Jesus and I didn't care. Because he cared about me, he spent time with me, and he eventually fell in love with me and we were, gonna, we were talking marriage, it was all great. And uh, what happened was, all my Christian friends were very disappointed. They were very angry, they didn't like it. I lived with four other girls in a house and uh, they stopped talking to me. Um, they, you know, judgments were made about me, labels were put on me, my friends ignored me, love, affection, friendship, it was all withheld because it was what they knew to do to punish me to hopefully get me back in line. If they can do those things, maybe I'll break up with this guy and then I'll start serving Jesus again and I'm okay. And if I'm really being honest, I was treating myself the same way. I was pulling away because of shame and knowing I wasn't probably doing what I was supposed to, but I didn't care because I had this huge gaping hole that needed to be filled and this guy was filling it. And so I withheld from people to punish myself because that's what I was taught as well. See, they withheld from me Instead of finding out what was really going on in me, why was I choosing this relationship? What was really happening in my life that I would choose this instead of following after the Lord? See, when that relationship ended, it took me some time to actually go back to church. And I struggled with those friendships, and I mean, some of them I don't even, I'm not even friends with anymore. But religion says I have to measure up, follow the rules, or you're gonna see what happens. And that's gross. See, the, if that were the way that things were around here, there's no way I would be standing here right now and free from religion like that. See, I feel like we need to take the road with each other and find out what's really going on and walk the process instead of disciplining each other or punishing each other or shaming each other. The yeast of religion is spreading in our lives, families, and church and, we're, and we carry a heavy burden of performance. And we don't have a sense of freedom that comes when we know that our sins are washed away. We are loved, free, and fully alive. We're weary from performing for God, keeping up an appearance before others, and keeping an eye on everyone around us instead of living out Romans 14, 17, which says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus shared about the yeast of the Pharisees and how 
Religion can get in and it can destroy a person, a church, a friendship. And in Matthew 13, he's talking about the yeast in bread and describing it as the kingdom of heaven and says, Matthew 13, 33, Jesus told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that of a woman took, that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked through all the dough. So right before this scripture, he was talking about the mustard seed, the smallest seed, and how it grows into the greatest garden plant. And he was sharing about that little bit of yeast mixed into flour, how it is like God's kingdom. It teaches us about God's kingdom and having a small beginning, but growing until an influence permeates and prevails into the earth. See, both types of yeast that Jesus is talking about, the yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast like the kingdom of God, he's saying both can have a huge influence. So, so long as we locate others' worth, significance, security, and their power, possessions, traditions, reputations, religious behaviors, tribe, and nation, rather than a relationship with our Father, we will be susceptible to a religious political yeast that wants to work its way into our lives. But instead, we must live from our position in Christ. It says in Ephesians 2, 6, we're seated with him, with Christ in the heavens. So let's be people that are talking to Jesus and seeing things the way that he sees them and loving people the way that he loves them and not doing it with any religion in there at all. Let's be defined and compelled by love When we walk in intimacy with the Lord, we spend time with him and know his heart and his voice and fill our days with him. The overflow of our lives is love. If we're lacking love in our lives, then you're probably not spending any time with him. You got your own stuff going on and that's what's coming out. And we need to sow supernatural, eternal kingdom solutions Galatians 5.25 says, stay in step with the Spirit. So how's the Spirit, Holy Spirit, directing your heart to move forward in whatever situation you are in? This is how we move out. This is how we see what he's doing, not discipline and rules and punishment, but what Holy Spirit's doing. He's not doing any of those things. In Galatians 6, 8 through 9, the one, it says, the one who sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will weep, reap destruction. But the one who sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in a due time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So the tactic of the enemy is always to divide, to isolate us from God, others, community, solutions, perspective, hope, joy, love. And his tactic is always to control and to bring anxiety and to bring fear. We must be on the lookout for this yeast trying to make its way into our lives and in our minds. And if you're just starting out you know, on this detox journey and you're like, I didn't even, I've been hearing some of the things you guys have been saying and I didn't even realize that I even act that way. I, for me, I will tell you, I was here, you know, those two years that I was first here, and I was like, you guys do things so different here. And it was just so weird to me. I couldn't figure it out. I was like, what are the rules? 
how do we do this? I need to know, because I need to line up. And it was just not like that. And I remember sitting in this, um, I, was, I was sitting in the, we had a Wednesday night service, and I remember sitting there, and it was like that, that night of worship and time with everybody and whatever uh, Garris was sharing that night, I was just so taken back that I was like, well, I'm in a different place. They don't do what I've always known to do. I don't know how to live here. This is all new. And that's what I'm talking about a religious detox center is we're not gonna say that all the time, but what you're experiencing is that. You're gonna see healthy people doing healthy things and you're gonna be like, that's weird. That's not normal. Why are you doing that? I remember, I will tell you guys, this, this is crazy, but I remember, <laughs> oh! I remember being, I was, you know, I was the, I worked in the office and I was the youth pastor at my last church and um, I remember sitting in my chair and the elders and the, the pastors would all be in a meeting and then they'd come out and one of the guys would be like, come to my office and then he'd tell me everything that they said about me that I was not doing right. And I would be like, oh my gosh, okay, okay, I gotta do all these things and I would try and figure this out. And so I remember Garris and Ryan and um, Verl at the time, and they're having a meeting, and then I'm panicked that my crazy is being talked about in there, and that they're, getting, they're trying to figure out how to get rid of me. Like, that's not a joke, like this is how I thought. And so I remember walking into Garris' office, and I'm like, hey, and at this point I had been in counseling for a while, and I was like, hey, so I'm sure you know about what's going on in my life, and he's like, have you told me? I was like, what? And he goes, we haven't talked about anything going on. What's going on in your life? And I was like, well, I've been meeting with your wife. And he goes, do you think she's going to tell me? Yes. <laughs> and then I was like, well, but Ryan knows. And he goes, why would Ryan tell me? I'm like, because you guys have these meetings back here. Isn't that what you talk about? He's like, Kim, unless you're telling me what's going on in your life, I don't know. You guys, I was blown away. I thought, I don't understand. Like, that's not how church works, is it? It is, guys. That's healthy. See, that's what I'm saying. So if that's you and you're like, I'm hearing things or things are different here, you guys are teaching this stuff and it's like not lining up with how I learned this stuff or what I grew up in, that's okay. That is a good thing. And I would just recommend Read Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Peter Scazzario. It is such a fantastic book. It is not easy, like fun. It's not fun. But it's good. And it'll start to wake you up to things. That was the first book I read as I started to wake up and realize that religion was, had such a hold on my life. So read that book. We have it in the Welcome Center if you need that today. But um, all I want to say, too, is I, as a leader... Um, here as a, a pastor, I just want to say, and Ryan did this last week too, and I thought it was just profound, but if you have been hurt by church leadership, if you've been hurt by church in general, I just want to apologize. I am so sorry. That is not God's heart. That is not how he wants a church to be led to control you, to manipulate you, to shame you, to get you in line. That is not his heart. So if that has happened to you, I'm just, I'm standing in the gap and saying, I am so sorry. 
And if that is you, I promise as you just walk this road with the Lord, he will heal those places in your life. And I have a really cool story about this is those people that were leading the church um, as I left about 16 years ago, that had told me to blow the bubble away and all that, um, they sent me a picture from the parking lot one day and uh, they were like, hey, we're here. And I was like, oh, like what? I don't, I'm not friends with you. <laughs> like, I have walked away from all of that and it scared me. Um, but they're also our district supervisor thing and, and they're like, yeah, we just met with Ryan and Kate and they're like, we wanna hang out. And I was like texting Ryan, is that safe? Should I do this? And Ryan's like, yes, you should. And I was like, okay. So I was like, sure, let's go, let's hang out. So uh, we, I came and picked him up and we went um, out to Red Lily, which would have been a no-no back in the day because I was not allowed to have any alcohol on staff in LeGrand. It was just this bad, bad thing. And I was like, you wanna go to a winery? Are you setting me up? Like, for real. And so I, um, I yeah, it was a test. And so we get out there and we're sitting by the river and it's an amazing day and, um, and David just, he sat across from me. And I didn't need this, but man, what a gift this was. He sat across from me and he goes, I have some questions for you. And I was like, okay. And he just started to ask me about some specific situations that were really harmful to me. And he was like, I never, um, I never heard you out. I never understood why you were walking through what you were walking through. I didn't actually treat you very well. And I was like, what? And so he wanted to hear what I had experienced and from him specifically. And because God had done such a deep healing in my life, it was such a beautiful moment where I didn't come in and be like, yeah, let me give it to you. This is what you did. But I was like, gosh, you didn't know any better. That's what you had been taught. That's what you had been raised in. So that's how you treated me. And he, in tears, just bawled and just was like, please forgive me for the harm that I've caused you. And then his wife did the same thing. There was some other stuff that happened that it was bad, and she just bawled. And we sat there for about five hours, and we just talked through a bunch of stuff, and I took ownership of my stuff too, and it was a beautiful moment. And so I hope that that would encourage you that God is still going after hearts. He is drawing us to himself, and he is telling us, hey, warning, the yeast of the Pharisees is out there. Let's not step into that, right? He's setting people free. And so I'm just praying for each of you guys as you walk out whatever journey you're on, one, that you would not push it in, that you'd talk to us about it, talk to somebody about it, and two, that God would heal that place in your life and that you would begin to live free as God has created you to live, as sons and daughters, free of religion, and being who you are. So it is really hot in here, so we're gonna stand. <laughs> and I'm gonna close us out. So Jesus, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your presence in our life. We thank you for your love. We thank you that you are not a God that shames us, or manipulates us, or disciplines us with hard things happening so that maybe we'll turn around and do something better. But you are a God that loves. You're a God that comes alongside us and says, what's going on? What do you need? 
You're a God that walks us into places to receive healing instead of letting it fester and kill us on the inside. You're a personal God that wants to take steps with us as we reconcile in relationships, as we move forward in this kingdom with you. So Lord, I just pray as every one of us is on a different journey, I just ask that you would meet every one of us where we are and that your heart would be expressed. They would see you, they would hear you, and that they would walk this with you. We love you, God, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good day, you guys.